Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode 4. So I guess today's episode is brought to you by the number 4 and the letters K-U-W-N-S, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with that. Why not? <laughs> it's a Sesame Street reference. Come on. I know. Sesame I, Street. I was just You give me of, a funny look, so. We've been doing some funny stuff up here before we start recording. We have. So, we have. Um, I'm just wondering if this is... A more you know continuation of what we were doing before we went on the air. Right. Well, okay. Then at yes. any rate. Yes. Okay. Our, then I agree with our production guru Adam Demuth and the big sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and this is your weekly deep dive into anything and everything Yellow Jacket athletics, as well as maybe the occasional Sesame Street reference, and among uh, others, among other things. So before we get too far off the rails, I guess we should kind of pull it back in, and you know the calendar is in October now, and. I've kind of I've hit my my first stretch of exhaustion for the year. There's there's several of them that come out over the course of uh, an athletic year in in the college world anyway. And I I really felt it this morning. I woke up knowing that it was going to be a late night with a couple of soccer matches and and uh, man, tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today's a long day for me as well as you know because uh, I'm broadcasting those two soccer matches this evening that are going to go late. So. Um, yeah, but you know what? I don't mind having long days when it comes to this kind of stuff right. because it's a lot of fun. Um, if you have a long day and you're kind of trudging your way through it, then it's a little bit more difficult. But right. With what you and I do, I mean, yeah, we get burned out at certain times of the year. I know we both do because we talk about it quite a mm-hmm. bit because um, we're both very busy most of the time. Right. But at the same time, I feel pretty like satisfied after I'm burned out because I know I've done a pretty good job and I've been working – hard but i really like what i'm doing so right when you throw all that into account you know it's not too bad you know I, i'll take it you know there, there are a lot worse things we could be doing there are a lot worse things that's true you know so, so i always look at it as a glass half full john as you know i'm pretty no, i try to say pretty positive most of the time meanwhile i'm sort of like the perennial pessimist <coughs> if you will but that's why we uh we, uh, i guess there's a little, little yin yang thing yeah. going on here so right. but it's uh it's been a good stretch here at for the Yellow Jacket sports teams, and yeah, uh, no lack of victories. We've, in we've there, seen boy. a whole lot of volleyball, seen almost no soccer. That will now change this week with the uh, with hitting October and the mm-hmm. soccer teams hitting the home portion of their schedule. I guess really bizarre scheduling for them this year. I mean, the the men's team has been, has been home one time. Yeah, you know, had, I think yeah, just the one home game that I can recall. Well. They played Bethel at home. That's and that's and that the was only it. one. Yeah, and then they. And that was a month road. ago. That was on September seventh. So they've been on the road. And they were supposed to play seven games on the road in a row. They ended up playing six because the game with McAllister got postponed. But right, um, yeah, six in a row on the road. Now they're back home this week. Uh, women's soccer a little bit more even, but still pretty heavy on the road slate here. Right. As of late, so yeah, they're both coming home. Meanwhile, volleyball, who's been home for a while now, is going on the road. I so. feel like they've been home all year. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, they've been playing a lot of games at home they, so far. They started on the road, then they had their own tournament here in our gym, and then I feel like they've never left. They've been at home ever right. since then. There's been a lot of volleyball played. So, no, well, it's been g- successful, though. See, that's the best part. It has been. It has been. You know, for, for all those teams, really, it's been a very successful fall season, especially the last couple of weeks. There's oh, yeah. been a lot of Ws for the teams in black and gold. Yeah, the teams are uh, volleyball, men's and women's soccer, combined 14-0-1 in the league, so... Can't really complain. Can't complain about that. You no, know. no, no losses in 15 matches between those three squads. And been a lot of success. Hopefully they can carry that over as they come home now for a few. And uh, a lot of uh, games in the second half of the year at home. So, uh, yeah, the home folks will be able to come out and see the teams play, hopefully starting uh, tonight as we broadcast this, of course, on our typical Wednesday morning. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, the, all the teams I think are right on track, right where they want to be pretty much in terms of the conference races go. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can carry that over now that they've been on the road for a while and now they're coming home. So let's take a look at it. Where do you All want right. to start? <clears throat> Men's soccer, uh, continuing to roll right along, by the way. 6-2-1 overall, now 4-0-1 in the UMAC. They're the only team with the tie in that 14-0-1 between the three teams. So that was uh, their first game, but they've won four in a row since that time. They also won two matches last week, defeating Crown and Minnesota Morris by identical 6 nothing scores. Those games were played in St. Bonifacius and Morris, Minnesota, respectively, on Friday and Saturday against the Polars. New uh, nickname, by the way, for Crown. I know we talked about that before. They're no longer the Storm. Now they're Strange the Polars. Strange timing on that thing, too. I mean, well, yeah, it was like two in, weeks ago, I think. Yeah, uh, it, it was in, the year, in last April year. or May. All of a sudden, they decided we're going to change our logo, we're going to change our nickname, and everything. And it was just bizarre timing. So they're no longer the uh, Storm. Well, the, remember they were the Purple Storm, then they became just the Storm, and now they're the Polars. So this is a third. Nickname changed in the last however long for Crown now? I Correct. don't know. 
was it about three years, maybe four years? About, yeah, about a little longer than that, I think. Yeah. But it's it feels like they're changing it pretty pretty regularly. Hopefully, this one will stick. I imagine it will. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, against the Polars, UWS got a hat trick from Josh Bellamy, and additional goals from Matthew Ringrose, Brandon Conklin, and Gavin Watkinson, while holding a twenty three to five edge in total shots, including sixteen to three in shots on target. Patrick Sessions and Alex Parady split time and goal combined to make three saves. On the game for the Yellow Jackets and against the Cougars, the Yellow Jackets got another hat trick. This time, of course, from Blake Perry. No surprise there. I feel like he scores goals. He's got ten of them now on the season. By the way, he scores lots of goals. We he scores lots of goals. All-time leading goal scorer. Yep. And you know, we we're thinking he might get close to. Well, what do we what do we think? Probably seventies at least. Well, I think with the the ones he scored last weekend, that puts him at what sixty seven or sixty eight. Yeah, so he's gonna so he's gonna blow into the seventies easily. Yeah, and I mean he if, with a good stretcher over the last month, he could be pushing eighty. Yeah, yeah, he's got ten goals on the season right now. Yep. Um, Philip Erickson has seven on the year now as well because he scored two against the Cougars in that same game. And they got an additional, an additional tally from Jake Kidd, the superior native, who scored more than 100 goals in his high school career. Gets his first career goals, the Yellow Jacket from the penalty spot as the sixth and final goal for the Yellow Jackets against Morris. UWS holding a 29-5 advantage in total shots, including 15-1 in shots on goal. Alex Paredes went all the way in goal for the Yellow Jackets to pick up the shutout with one save. So they're rolling right along. Rolling right along. Yeah, averaging more than three goals a game. I don't know if they're going to get up to the five-goal mark they were last year, but... They're, Still, they're going to score plenty. Yeah, and, and with how well they defend, yeah, you yeah. know, one or two is usually going to be. Well, and this team is much more possession done. based. Last year's team was very direct, I thought, for the most part. This team has got a little bit more depth in the middle now. Uh, the guys are a year older, and uh, you know they they hold possession pretty well. So, and with that forward line, you know they're going to score plenty of goals. So, sure. yeah, they're rolling right along, and uh, they'll be home for the, a few games here now coming up. So, mm-hmm. get a chance uh, head out to NBC Spartan Sports Complex and check them out. Indeed. Women's soccer is also rolling right along. 5-3 and 2 now overall. 5-0 and in the UMAC all alone in first place. They won two games last week. They've won four in a row. Defeated Crown 6-0 on Friday in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota before downing Crown, uh, Morris. excuse me, 2-0 on Saturday in, in Morris, Minnesota. Against the Polars, UWS got a hat-trick from Allison Alessi, two goals from Maya Holmquist, and an additional goal from Lindry Schendel in picking up the win. UWS 16-3 the edge in total shots, including 10-0. The advantage of shots on goal, so no real chances for Crown even in the game. Jenna Lang and Quinn Clark splitting time and goal for the Yellow Jackets to pick up the shutout. And against the Cougars, Cameron Hill, the freshman from Duluth, scored both UWS goals as the Yellow Jackets held a 33-13 edge in total shots, including 14-6 in shots on goal. Jenna Lang made six saves to pick up the shutout for the Yellow Jackets in goal. So they're now 5-0 and in the league. And uh, they got a chance here to put a stranglehold on things here if things go the right way in the next week or so. So yeah, they've got a couple of big matches coming up at home, and <clears throat> yep, you know yep, if they can take care of business there. They'll be in really good they'll shape be in as good it shape. is. You know they're they're easily in first place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that changes or not, we don't know. But right now they're the they're they're clearly the leader of the pack right yep. now in the conference. Yep. So. Volleyball right now in a tie for first place in the league. They're nine and eight overall, five and zero oh in the UMAC. They've been playing really well lately. Mm-hmm. Won two matches last week, sweeping both Minnesota Morris and crowned by identical three sets to nothing scores at the Mertz and Superior on Friday and Saturday. Against the Cougars, UWS won by set scores of 25-23, 25-22, and 25-21. And I think that was a bit of a surprise for people, considering how good of a program Morris has been in recent years. Um, of course, the Yellow Jackets did beat Morris at home last year in five. That was a match I did on the radio here on 91.3. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I was not at the Morris match. You, I know, were there. Interesting match look like as far as the numbers go. Yeah, yeah, it it was, and um, I I I don't. Whenever we play Morris, I don't ever expect a sweep. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. Those are always matches always that go four or five yeah. sets, and this one, Morris struggled in some ways that you, that you could definitely see. You could read it on their coach's face that mm. he was seeing some struggles from his club, and uh, Yellow Jackets just. Stuck in took there. care of business. Yeah, they I took care so. of business, and they they pulled away when they needed to. Offensively, in that match, UWS was paced by Mayanna Stark, who had a nice weekend. By the way, we'll talk more about her in a minute. Fourteen kills, while Alexi Preed had a double double, ten kills and thirteen digs. Colleen Claude dished out fifteen assists. Cassie Teff, Cassie Teff, excuse me, pitched in with fourteen more digs. Defensively, UWS was led by Jenna Anderson with fifteen, and against the Polars, UWS went pretty routinely against Crown. 25-10, 25-19, Offensively, the Yellow Jackets were led by Stark with 11 kills. Preeden, Cassie Teff with 10 more kills. Colleen Cloud had 13 assists, while Jen Anderson had 11 days. Kevin, 
a nice and tidy win over the Polars in that second match to improve to 5 0 in the league. And so, Coach Lynn Diedrich's team uh, moving right along, tied for first with Northwestern. And Northwestern, at last check, I don't know if this is still the case, but they were ranked number three in the country. They're four. They're number four now? They're ranked number four. Okay. Yep, they're ranked number four because they, they had the audacity to lose <clears throat> a match last week oh, to the defending they. national champions and in five. Okay. They got beat by Eau Claire in five. That's the, the one blemish on their record, and it dropped them from three to four. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll take that one. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, so. Moving on, uh, men's and women's golf. Both teams compete at the MLC Fall Invite, hosted by Martin Luther at Oakdale Golf Club in Buffalo Lake, Minnesota, on Saturday, with both teams finishing in fourth place in that particular meet. On the men's side, UWS finished with a team score of 317, and were led by Ian Bundy, who finished in a tie for fourth place individually with a score of 75. A lot of fours here, by the way. On the women's side, UWS finished with a team score of 378, and were paced by Bryce Burris and Allie Maschke, who also placed uh, fourth place in a tie for fourth place individually with scores of 86. So a lot of fours in that. A lot uh, of four. Today, today's show is brought to you by the number four. Yeah. We talked truly. about that. And definitely for men's and women's golf, that mm-hmm. was the case. Men's and women's cross country was well, idle. But men's soccer's won four in a row. Yeah, that's women's true. Women's soccer's won four in a row. There's fours everywhere. Yeah, there's fours all over the place right now. Right now. One of those teams uh, wins by four goals tonight. We know. Yeah, right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> People will be mad, though, because they won't get the free custard. That's true. Yeah. That's so. true. <laughs> anyway, uh, men's and women's cross country is on a nice little break here. They won't be in action until the week after this one. So nothing on that side. But men's tennis, they completed at the ITA. Oh, uh, that's not true. Oh, uh, don't they have? They did compete last weekend. Did they? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't they're, have it in my notes. They're so. in that stretch where they, they're off a week, on a week. Okay. And so okay. They, they competed this past weekend. Okay, because I don't have it in my notes. But Yeah, the, they were last Friday at Eau Claire. How'd they do? Um, you're going to ask me to look that up now. I know that on the women's side, they had seven runners finished with PRs. On the men's side, I believe there were eight. Okay. Yeah, apologies that I missed that one. Jeez. Yeah. You had one job, Matt. I know. I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone back home. Uh, the men placed overall 530 points. 24 teams were in the field. Okay. And I believe they placed 18th. Michael Butterfield had – I apologize that I'm reading this right now. He led the Yellow Jackets 64th place overall. Okay. Which in a 24-team field is pretty good because you're, you're right, going to yeah. have in excess of 300 runners in there. <clears throat> and he came in with a time of 26-21.8. Okay. And on the Not women's bad. side, apologies for the, the dead air, they had seven runners finished with PRs. They came in 21st in the 24-team field, 671 points. Megan Berg paced the Yellow Jackets with a time of 24-56.4. Ah, okay. All right. Well, they're not in action next week. I know that. They are off after this yeah. weekend, yes. So I got that part right. Yes. Sorry, folks. So apologies on that. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's my fault. I uh, I overlooked that one. I don't know how that happened. Because <laughs> I had a lot of – maybe it was too many notes I was trying to take. Could be. Week. I mean, yeah. you should just subscribe to the Inside Jacket Sports and get it every week so you can see the breakdown. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to go hunting for it. It's yeah, all right this there. is true. This mm-hmm. is true. Maybe I should have just done that anyway. That's for any listeners out there, too. If you want to <laughs> get our weekly newsletter right into your yeah. mailbox, go ahead and... Don't be like the big sound. Do something Don't be like the big sound, Matt yeah, Johnson. Exactly. Get in there proactively and have it delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday. There you go. Men's tennis competed at the ITA Regionals. This is going to take a little bit of time because there was a lot going on down there. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> well, I mean, and the team showed well. That was the thing. that They that was, competed very, very well. Yeah, exactly. And that's why this is a little bit uh, – there's a lot to get to here as far as the tennis goes. Of course, this is their one uh, meet for the fall campaign. After this, they're off until their right. actual season, which will be in the spring. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, we talked about it last uh, week. John C.J. Schaffner was going to bring down a different-looking group of he players. a number of newcomers. Yep, and they all performed really they well. They performed very well. So future is bright for uh, men's tennis for sure. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you who aren't, you know, weekly listeners to our uh, podcast here, the ITA regionals, the Midwest regionals are hosted by Gustavus every year. It's not a formal competition, really. It's more of a open invite kind of situation where teams apply to get in and then they bring, you know, set numbers of their roster to come and just play against a bunch of players from around the region. It's actually kind of a fun event. I hear it's, it's a great event. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great event, and it gives you a really good idea of where you stack up. It's a three D event as well, yeah. so you get some extended time 
Um, well, you if know, you keep winning, it's a yeah. three-day event. It's Friday through Sunday, but players from all over the region come. They'd also do it for the women, mm-hmm. and we talked about that last week. But, uh, yeah, so there was there was some high-level tennis being played down there. There always is. Tennis is a big sport at Gustavus, as we talked about. And so, um, yeah, the L Jackets went down there, and shall we just say they – I think they turned some heads down there they, with their performance. I'm going to say they absolutely did. So on Friday, Jacob Zacharias for the L Jackets defeated Central's Caleb Hammerlink. 6-4-6 win in his opening match before falling UW-Whitewater's John Zakowski, 6-0-6-1. By the way, Zakowski was the number one seed overall in the men's draw. So not a bad loss there for Zacharias. He won no. his first-round match, but then ended up playing Zakowski, who was favored to win the whole thing, and lost in straight sets in his second match. Igor Getin Chavez dropped his opening match to Coe's Ian, oh, excuse me, Ivan Bert-Smith, 7-5-6-2, while Ren Karachi, also dropped his opening match against Bethany Lutheran's Marcus Barobia, 6-1, 6-3, before Andre Louise dropped a 6-1, 6-2 decision to Luke Van Dosselier of UW-Whitewater. In singles play, the open singles play, Victor Saka Cabrera, we'll hear more from him in a moment, by the way, fell to Luther's Ricky Portillas, 8-3, while Matias Miranda Silvestri defeated Northwestern's Eli Henderson by default before falling to EJ Heidela. Of St. Mary's in a tiebreak, 8-7, 10-8 was the score in the tiebreak in the second round. Can't UW- get much tighter than that. No, that's about as tight as it gets. Yep. UWS also claimed a default doubles win as Louise and Karachi defeated Stephen Bonoy and Diego Mascara of UW-Stevens Point, who had to default in their match. So they moved on to the next round the next day. And on Saturday, Saka Cabrera and Miranda Silvestri, the doubles team, they're the one that really stood out on the weekend for UWS. Advanced to Sunday's doubles semifinals by winning four matches on the day, defeating Isaac Dianchand and Brandon Fraber of UW Lacrosse 8-1 in the opening round before dispatching of Warburg's Niall Peterson and Joseph Haug 8-4 in the second round. From there, Saka Cabrera and Miranda Silvestri downed Dylan Nataloski and Isaac Bruins of Concordia, Wisconsin 8-3 before advancing to the semifinal round when Nate Withers and Jeffrey Stoughton of Luther had to withdraw from the competition. So they won four matches on the day. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the that's other... That's a good run. Yeah, that's a nice run. That's a lot of tennis. In yeah, it day. is a lot of tennis. Meanwhile, Louise and Karachi fell to Leo Estergomi and David Daniel of Grinnell 8-4. And on Sunday, the final match for the Yellow Jackets down there, Saka Cabrera and Miranda Silvestri fell to St. Olaf's Henry Cruz and Jacob Bellick 8-5 to end the tournament. So they made it all the way to the semifinal round before getting knocked out on Sunday. And that's first time the Yellow Jackets have advanced to Sunday's play, mm-hmm. neither the men or women's side. They've been in that competition now just for two years. But still a really nice statement made by really Coach Schaffner's nice. team. Yeah, Because uh, there are a lot of coaches, a lot of players down there, and you can bet that they're taking notes and keeping up with what's going on. Right. No, I, I look forward to having a conversation with CJ and just getting his take on it. Yeah. You know, and, and even – because some of these are new players. Yeah. You know, you, you haven't seen them in game competition yet. Did it open his eyes a little bit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Which, of course, a coach speak, you'd be like, no, absolutely not. I, I know exactly what kind of players they were. But I, I think in that setting, right. it probably had to have just even a little bit. Well, because you never know how the freshmen are going to react. Right. The entire point of bringing, because Coach Schaffner also did this with the women, the whole point of bringing the new players down there is to get them some get their feet wet a little bit, so to speak. Right. Just to kind of rub off, you know, get, get the rust off a little bit, play actual competition, but also kind of get an idea of what this whole college-level tennis thing is all about. Right. And I'd say they adjusted pretty quickly, you know, especially that doubles team. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Second Cabrera and Miranda Silvestri, yeah, those did, might be a couple of guys that we have to keep an eye on. I have a hunch we're going to have to keep an eye on a few of these players when we yeah. uh, hit their actual season in February. And I think the men will probably be the favorites to win the conference again no, this I coming year. I don't think year, there's so. any doubt about that. Yeah, very good showing. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, just like you said, nothing but uh, high praise for them, I think, Absolutely. as, uh, as uh, a showing down there. So he's got to be ecstatic, I would think, about how they performed down there. So. That is the week that was in the world of Yellow Jacket Sports. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we will have a roundtable segment where we will catch up with the Yellow Jacket women's soccer coach, Allison DeGroat, along with sophomore goalkeeper and reigning UMAC Rookie of the Year, Jenna Lang. That coming up when I Have the Swarm continues right after this. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? 
Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we're going to talk soccer with the head women's soccer coach here at UW-Superior, Allison DeGroat, and sophomore goalkeeper, and as I introduced her in the last segment, reigning UMAC Rookie of the Year, Jenna Lang, and of course that's her, her nickname among the, the stat staff is Roy for Rookie of the Year. So, yeah, and there's the smirk. So <laughs> Everybody on my staff gets a nickname, and sometimes they happen organically like Roy, or Javon Walker as Rubber Duck. You'll have to ask him about that one during basketball season. But I heard that one. And yeah, I, it's it's tremendous. I, and I, that, I can't wait for the first basketball game when he hits a three and quacks back down into his defensive position. It's going to be outstanding. Oh, my. Yes. Well, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's going to be well, great. People who, for people who do not know, Jenna Lang is one of our part-time PA announcers, too, at, uh, soc- or at uh, softball and baseball. So. You did some sound PA, the sound effects yeah, person. The sound I like effects the sound effects special. I know you like yeah. the the sound effect buttons. With uh, how many did you do for PA last year, Jenna? Did you do you did? I know you did baseball and softball, mostly baseball. I think that right? was all she did yeah. for PA. Okay, and that I was, think I did one baseball. Okay, you did, and that was one of those things where I just said, "You're doing this today." Yep. Well, and Zoe Thompson, of and you kind of said, does, "Okay," I guess. is the other half of and the part-time PA people. So Zoe does a really good job. And Zoe, yeah, Zoe hockey. does mostly soccer. Like, I, well, obviously she can't do baseball and softball, but right. she does soccer when John can't make it, and that's uh, she's pretty good at <laughs> well, it. Well, she's like, gonna, she, she yeah, she's gonna do even more of it because, contrary to popular belief, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't want to do. So PA. So good. I don't want to do PA. <laughs> that's not what I'm about i hate it i hate it too but when there's nobody else to do it you don't have right. a choice gotta train more people well i gotta get people who aren't afraid of a microphone that's right. the problem everybody says they're willing to talk and then you put a microphone right, in front yeah. of their face and they freeze i think they're just scared of messing up names and everything that's why you have a pronunciation guide when you threw zoe into the deep end of the pool last year because she did the uh umac championship game uh, yeah, absolutely which and she was did, her and, first and ever she did just fine yeah she, she did. did really well she did just fine she was and really nervous even beforehand. this year when yeah. she had to read the ridiculously long umac sportsmanship statement she did very very well she did. is it ridiculously long it's over a minute yes it's over a minute you'll find out later today it's funny because like it'll be the first time i'll hear it <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking obviously because it, it's funny because during volleyball last week so I send it back to the studio, and I'm like, well, we're about to get the anthem. And then I'm sitting down there, and I've got my headset on, and I can hear what's going on. And, and I'm looking at John, and he's just reading, 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 reading. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, they're still going. On the, and he's reading, 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 reading. And then I can kind of almost see him say, okay, yeah. no, time I, for the anthem. I recorded it now, so I don't have to read it anymore. Okay. Yeah. But it was pretty funny because I was like, I'm looking down there and I'm seeing him with his head down and he's reading, reading away. And I'm like, it is really long. It's really long. Yeah, it's a really long one. I mean, the NSIC has a long one too when I broadcast for uh, UMD, but they record theirs as well. So they just hit a button and they just plays. Yeah. Um, And they have their athletes do it. Like they have senior class do it. Awesome during soccer when you get to that one day where it's 40 miles an hour blowing off the lake and they're standing out at midfield freezing wanting the game to start and they have we have this statement that has to get done and i i, I understand i understand the premise of it right, i understand yeah, I the it. conference wanting that i get it right yeah. it's just it's very long yeah. you just need to add a sound effect in there like Zling. last break <laughs> right at the very end of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i should play hit the boo button <laughs> so it starts <laughs> booing as the thing is going <laughs> It's a sportsmanship statement, right? So right, let's yeah. have booing in there. But right. regardless, soccer. Soccer. <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Your club on a little bit of a roll here after I, I'm guessing it's not a stretch for me to say that things didn't start at the beginning of the year like you had expected them to or hoped that they would. It was a little bit of a slower start, I think, than many anticipated. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say... The for them, we had some hiccups through singular games, but there were some really good performances as well at the beginning of the year. 
Um, <clears throat> but yeah, definitely a little bit slower than maybe last year. Um, but yeah, we're now we're, we're rolling, but we also knew that it was going to be a different year. We had 13 returners, 12 newcomers. We were going to have to find that gel and that mesh, um, brand new again. I feel like that's, it's a, not exclusive to you. I mean, I look at Joe always has big a classes. lot of new players coming yeah. in. He always has big classes. I look at uh, men's hockey and women's hockey each have double-digit new coming classes this year. I think women's basketball has a number of new faces this year as well. So it's apparently a superior thing this year with these these large incoming classes, which leads me to my question in talking about how to, to mesh that. How did you mesh that? Because that's not easy when you've got basically a 50-50 returning a new roster. Yeah, uh, it's definitely challenging. I think some of the things that we did to try to make that mesh was talk about, you know, what is excellence in practice, what is quality in practice, and then what is unacceptable in practice. Um, And then we did the same for games. So just starting to figure out who we wanted to be, how we wanted to show up from the day to day and putting it on paper and saying, this is how we're going to show up. Um, so that, that's definitely a start. Um, we did things like went to the state fair, went on a team retreat again, although it was slightly shorter this year because we were on the road a lot more this year. Um, but those little things we hope continue to go a long way. State fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the food amongst the team? (laughs) Well, as you can tell right now, I am still sick. So <laughs> during the state fair, I was also sick. <laughs> so I didn't I, bring it up. You did. I you did. told me I not know. to say it, and you did it. I know. You said you were. <laughs> it was going to come up anyway. So actually, during the state fair, I took a nap on the bus and let the players go in. <laughs> so that's a great question for Jenna Lang. What was the food at the state fair, Jenna Lang? So tell us, Roy. What was the? This is going to be a two-parter now with you. So let's. We'll start with the state fair piece. What was the the go-to grub at the state fair for the team? Sweet Martha's cookies for sure. How many buckets? I think the team total. Mm, five or six buckets. That's outstanding. We were in groups of like four or five, so. For 25 players, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. (laughs) What's your go-to at the State Fair? The cookies. Okay. The cookies. Yeah, I I mean, to be honest with you, you can't really go wrong. One of the things that happened this year was my my older nephew actually worked the uh, deep-fried pickles stand, so he he was there, and so I think that that was a little bit of a bias maybe. Um, cause uh, he, this was his first time doing it and he was either, he was excited, but also kind of nervous about it cause he mm-hmm. had never done it before. Um, but sweet Martha's is, it's hard to beat that. I mean, you know, and sweet Martha's makes enough money off of just the state fair weekend that they don't work the rest of the year. That's how much money they make off of their cookies. So, cause I think they, they end up netting, it was in the paper a while ago, I think, but they end up netting like $400,000 a year. I had, I it's had something heard. like that. It's it's some crazy number. They live a very nice lifestyle. Well, I had heard of those cookies. A story. I don't know if it's true, but Joe Cranston, who's the women's hockey coach at River Falls, he uh, he makes Scotch eggs, and they sell them at the state fair. Okay, that's his job, and then he coaches hockey. So that's really how, that's how lucrative. Yeah, is, the food business at the state fair is. Dang. Oh yeah. And every year, they, it's interesting because you can check online to see what the new things are going to be. Right. And some of them are just amazing. Some of them are really outlandish, though. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. some of that you look at and go, you got to be kidding me. We're, we're really trying too hard now. Yeah. Some of, the, some of it is pretty over the top. I mean, besides Sweet Martha's, though, what other kind of food? Yeah, you were you shaking like? your head no down there when he said it was the cookies. Yeah, no. So Either the mousetrap cheese curds or deep fried pickles with ranch. Maybe she saw my nephew while he was there. I don't know. Could have. Could have. Probably. Pickles yeah. your favorite food? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know you laugh. I mean, it's in, inside joke, so. <laughs> she eats pickles at every game she works. Really? So it's no longer an inside yeah. joke. But every game she'll show up and she has a. How did I not uh, notice that? She has a pouch right? of pickles and she eats them with a fork. If it's a cold game, I also get a large cookies and cream hot chocolate from Quick Trip. Okay. Then a pack of pickles. With Quick a fork. Trip. How come when I'm in the press box for baseball and and like softball, I didn't notice this? I don't. I I don't understand. I have no idea. (laughs) Maybe I'm too like I have. Do I like I must have narrow tunnel vision. You must because yeah, she eats pickles almost every game that she she? works for us. Well, the other thing is that you do sit like at the very end from where I am usually, like you're on the far end of the press box. So 
Like I'm always on the near end because I'm having to deal with Craig and whoever else is there for my fan too. So and sitting next to you as well. Right. And so I, we all know I never shut up during a game. So. <laughs> so I never know quite what's happening. Although Jenna does a really good job with the sound effects, like you said. She does. While she's eating her pickles. Yeah. My <laughs> favorite's the glass break. You like the glass breaking sound yeah. effect? Foul ball. Right. And then you get the parents that actually look behind you and you're like, it's a joke. <laughs> it's, it's a sound it's effect. A joke. It's not actually your car. <laughs> you'll, you'll know if it's an actual vehicle because th- there'll be the delay on the sound effect when we're all going... Oh my God, that actually hit a car, and then you'll have the sound effect. I just got to bring up one more side tangent, by the way, because I know that this was. An That's good because I'm going back to a, the previous question here pretty quick. So, um, I just want to say that also. Were you, was it your idea? Were you the one that picked out Coach DeGroat at the softball game last year and said it was her birthday? So we had to say happy birthday to her over the PA. Who was that? Was it? Remember? Was it during the tournament or was it? It was during the championship during game. During the championship game. The, I yes. think it was. It may have been. Yeah. I think but Fracker I'm not, I'm spilled not, the beans. I'm not going to throw you under the, beans. the bus, but it may have been you. It may not have been. Fracker spilled the beans. Okay, though. so it's Melissa. Yeah. There you go. Well, because at first, like, we pointed you out, like, in the front row, and we couldn't tell if it was you right away. Well, you were sitting in a, in a lawn chair, and you, like, <laughs> sunk yeah, down in like, your chair and pulled your hood down. <laughs> and as soon as yeah. John said something over the PA, all of a sudden you sank lower. <laughs> I present as an extrovert, but I'm really not. <laughs> yeah, you know, that I, was uh, yeah. Well, one of the professors like was there too, attention. and he turned and pointed at her. Yeah, <laughs> so that everybody knew who it was. Yeah, thanks for that, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to the question about mixing a fifty-fifty returning and roster of newcomers, do you sense that this is taking a little bit longer? Do you get impatient? Do you let the process be the process? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely sense it. Like, you know when things are – when the team is clicking and driving and, and that chemistry is there. Um, but I think the big thing for me is definitely doing the small little steps along the way that help them form those connections and help them get to know each other. For us, it's we've been really committed to, at the beginning of practice, playing fun games where they can laugh and they can get loose – um, and they can kind of put the worries of of competing and pressure and school and all everything else behind them and just enjoy being together. So it's doing those little things that help create an environment where they can get to know each other, where they can let their guard down, where they can start to become comfortable. And then you have the that moment where you realize, okay, this has worked and they are, they're a group now. Yes, absolutely. And now you're kind of – Seeing the the fruits of that with your your team starting to get on a little bit of a roll here, yep, and at probably the exact right time because you're getting into the teeth of the conference schedule now. Absolutely, yep. You and I talk a lot, uh, you know, both during the season and out of season. Um, and I happen to know you well enough to know that you're very selective about the players that you recruit, just because not just as a soccer player and someone that can help on the field, but will fit in the dynamic of the group. I know that's something you take to heart as well. So yeah, bringing in the 12 newcomers, you know, obviously there's going to take some time to get to know everyone, but I also happen to know that you as a coach, how they fit into the entire dynamic of the roster is a very important part of what you evaluate them on. And, Um, so for me, I was like, well, there's probably going to be a little bit of transition, but I expected it to be not necessarily seamless, but they integrate, I think eventually pretty well, just because that's a big part of what Allison does Mm -hmm. when she's recruiting. Um, you know, some coaches recruit just, you know, they recruit skill first and then if they fit in with the rest of the group, great. If not, sometimes you can achieve that little bit of a balance where we're teammates, but we don't spend a lot of time together. Sometimes that can work. Um, but I happen to know for you, you like to keep it kind of a family atmosphere, if at all possible, and make sure everybody's supporting everybody else. Um, and in that regard, how would you feel like the, how do you feel, I should say, about how the chemistry has come this year with the, with the 12 newcomers? I mean, if you, it seems like the newcomers are beginning to really understand their roles now mm-hmm. as we move on. That's been a big part of you guys' success recently. And I don't know if you see the same thing, but that's kind of what I've kind of gleaned from watching you guys in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think the, connection on the field is definitely starting to show up. I, if I'm being completely honest, I still think that there's a ways to go in the culture, honing in on creating the culture we really want to. You just can't get to know somebody 
in a month. That's not how trust works. That's not how relationships work. So I think we're in a good place right now in our culture. This is not like for me, we're not at the ideal yet. And we're still working toward that. The thing that's really positive for me to see is even though maybe the off the field isn't an ideal yet, I feel like our connection on the pitch is going in a really good direction. Um, You can see us combining really well. Um, I think we're much more this year an attacking team more than we've ever been. You look at our attacking numbers and I'm, I'm... if I'm an opposing coach, there's three or four names I got to circle every single time we play somebody. Um, so we're attacking really well. We're combining passes really well. Um, the style of play is getting to be what we want, but there are elements that we're still working on and improving every day. Well, it's interesting too, because this is something that I've also noticed last year. You got primarily your offense came from Anna Schusman, now Anna Bradley, and also um, Naya up top. They scored the majority of your goals last year. This year, it's a little bit more evenly spaced. I mean, yep. you've got one player with six, another with five, another with four. You've got five players with more than one goal on this team. So it's part of that achieving that depth and kind of that balance between to, you know, looking at because teams have been trying to take away Naya this year quite yes, a bit. Absolutely. And so there, you guys have had to find outlets for offense and. You know, there have been a couple of players that have really stepped into that role now and are beginning to accept that role that, hey, if teams are going to take away Naya, it's going to be up to one of us yeah. to try to step up and, and, and make plays. Seems like that's been coming along pretty well also the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I will say despite the fact that you know, no, sometimes Naya is being double teamed or every single time she gets the ball, she's she's got pressure. Um, before she got hurt, she's hurt right now, but before she got hurt, she was doing a really good job of finding ways to maybe she wasn't – she, uh, obviously she went off on the Northland game and got a hat trick and an assist. Um, but outside of that, even when she on game, she wasn't getting goals. She was helping create. Um, so she's done a really good job of adjusting and ensuring that, okay, if they're going to put a lot of pressure on me, it's going to open other people up and I'm committed to making this team better. Um, but yeah, right now she is hurt and has been out, was out this whole last week, um, weekend. So hopefully we'll get her back here soon. How satisfying has this been for you? If you think back to when you got here, because nothing was easy the first couple of years. And I'm not saying it's easy now, but knowing you have more talent in the room, more skill in the room that you can kind of put your focus on other things rather than having to worry about how are we going to generate every single shot on goal? How, how, how satisfying has that been to be able to see this methodically get to where it is now? Uh, so satisfying. Just even, even last year, had we had an offensive, if, we, if Nia Wilson would have gone out last year, I think there are players that could step up, but they would have had to take time and figure it out, and it would have been a process. Mm-hmm. I I talked to another coach, and she's like, I, I talked to Coach Fracker, and she's like, you have worked so hard to get to a place where you can have a player like Nia Wilson down and still find ways to win games, um, and that that's absolutely true. Like, we've just our coaching staff has worked really diligently to bring in talent and quality people. Um, And I can say, regardless of the position, we have depth, like regard any position we have depth there. Um, And it's super exciting because especially when you're playing a a conference schedule, like we do with back-to-backs depth goes a long way. Mm -hmm. It goes a really long way. Um, So it's been a really exciting year to know, we can sub, we can put different tools in different pieces, we can try different tactics against different style of play. It's not just relying on, you know, the same eleven every game and those are the eleven that have to produce or you won't you won't get the job done. I would agree. Um, you know, that's been my fun in watching the team grow and kind of, you know, putting together classes. That's how you get to that depth. You know, that's one of the things that Coach Mooney does really well because there's never really a drop-off in their performance because he stacks classes on classes, and that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And each class is a little bit different. And 
but that's one of the things, one of the models that I know you guys have, have you know, that first class with, with Anna and Aaron and, and Emma and that, that group, when they came through, you know, that was like the first class. And then from there, just kept on stacking classes. And now you're up to a point where, you know, you have a 25-player roster and any of the 25 can come in and contribute, which is, you know, an important thing, which brings me to, Jenna, this question. Um, you know, last year you played virtually the entire second half of the season yourself in goal. This year now you brought in a new keeper who was a Duluth native, actually two new keepers, but one that uh, actually had a little bit of college experience, uh, played a semester at Gustavus and took a little bit of time off, came back. She's from Duluth. Quinn Clark, of course, is who I'm, I'm mentioning. It's playing time and goal with her a little bit recently. How has that transition gone for you and Quinn kind of being able to kind of feel each other out and figure out how the rotation is going to go there? I've never split time with anyone in high school or club, so it was definitely a change. But you know, we're really good friends. Even Liv, the other goalie, we're all so good friends. That was not English, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was English, yes. But. We're all really good friends, so... I think just watching each other succeed is... It brings more happiness than saying, oh, well, she's playing this half or this game. Like, I'm very happy for both of them. Um, Do I wish splitting time? No. But if I had to pick two people, it would be Liv and Quinn to play with. So I'm very happy with the selection. It's cool to – just yesterday we got done with practice a bit early because we we never go two hours before a game and – it's often that goalkeepers want to stay late and work on something, but they usually pull field players in and be like, well, you shoot on me, we take crosses, but our whole goalkeeper crew, Liv Quinn and, and Jenna, stayed late on their own working on crosses. So how cool is that to just have a staff or a crew that supports each other the way they do? Like, that's so rare. Rare and, I mean, I difficult to be- – it, it's it's – so rare to see it difficult in some ways even to believe that there's no resentment because there there always is when right. you you get in that position of having three and splitting time a lot of you, you've never had to split time until this year so it'd be very easy to be resentful about well, why she've taken me out i will say in three the saves in the first half coach what the heck in the there's a zero on the board yeah yeah it well, it, the part was keeping everyone fresh, too. I mean, that there's also that part of it as well, getting everyone some playing time. Um, you know, and one of the things I think that I kind of want to reiterate here because people might not be aware of it is that you guys are still very young as a group in terms yeah. of, I mean, there's one senior that is in the rotation and it's Kenzie Ullerking. And just about everybody else has extra eligibility. Just about everyone has at least two years. Kenzie has another year of eligibility. And El- Kenzie has another one. Yeah. You know, technically she's a senior, but she has another year. So really, I mean, you're looking at a situation right now where you could bring back this entire same group next year, uh-huh. plus whatever freshmen come in. So, yep. you know, it's still a team that is kind of growing together in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, you know, but in, even in terms of just on this roster, it's a group that, yes, they've been together for a couple of years, but the, we forget sometimes that they advance pretty quickly. I mean, this this process has been sped up a bit because – the last couple of classes have really stepped in and made differences immediately when they came in. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's hard it, it's it's hard to remember or difficult to remember that they're still pretty young. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of success very early in their careers, but that chemistry thing is going to be an ongoing thing. And thankfully, like I said, in a certain way, because the team is still, still really young and everybody has eligibility left, you know, there's a real chance that they could – really become something special as, as far as like a, a dynamic unit yep absolutely kind of it's a, a nice segue even though you didn't know that that's uh, kind of where my mind was going Let, let's talk a little bit about expectations because yeah. dominating year last year leads to increased expectations this year as a coach as a player how have you handled that because I I know there, there's probably that tendency to just kind of try to put it in the background and just go about your business the same way you always would. But at the end of the day, there's probably higher expectations than there were a year ago. Yeah. How do you navigate that? I think it's reminding myself and reminding the team that it is about a process. 
I think you, you know, you talked about at the beginning of the segment when you, you asked Garves, you said, you know, the beginning of the season wasn't what you wanted it to be. Maybe didn't even meet those expectations three years ago, two years ago, that those results would have been phenomenal. Two ties against a Mayak team and a Wyak team. People would have been like, oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> and this year it's like, oh, it wasn't quite what you wanted it to be. And yeah, as as it should be, right? Expectations, as you get better, expectations should grow. But it's reminding myself and reminding the team that it is about process. And when we step onto the field, yes, we want to get the result. But if we think too much and put too much energy into just trying to win, we are not committed to playing the best soccer we can. What we got to be committed to is trying to get to our potential, getting better every single game, solving the problems that each game presents and doing it together. And that's how we get to be the best version of ourselves we can be. And that's how we, you know, try to continue to win championships, try to continue to be at our best. If all we're doing is putting that pressure and that expectation on ourselves and be like, we got to, we got to, we got to, it's, it's easy to cave under that pressure, cave under that expectation. So we just got to be committed to every time we step on the field. It's about being our best today. It's about getting better than we were yesterday. And it's committing to, yeah, there's going to be slip-ups along the way. But if we really focus on our potential, the pieces will fit together and we'll, we'll create that, that standard that, and that expectation. I have just one follow-up, too, because I know we're getting a little bit short on time here. But yeah. In that regard, um, and this is a question that is, I think everybody that is around Yellow Jacket soccer knows this, but the two teams, the men and the women, really support one another quite vociferously. How about that for a vocab word? Nicely done. Yeah, but they do. It's very vocal. It's a lot of points and, in Scrabble, man. Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll make sure I make a note of that next time I play. Mm-hmm. Um, how has, because of their extended period of success, because they're now expected every year to win the regular season, go to the NCAA tournament, possibly win a game or two, move on, how much has their culture and the fact that they've established now that run where every year that, that pressure is there for them to perform, how much has that helped you guys in terms of seeing where you want to go? I mean, has that also helped? I mean, obviously they come to the game and they're very loud and very boisterous at you guys' games, which is – a lot of fun for those of us who are in the press box to watch. But how much has having Coach Mooney and the guys be so supportive of you guys? How long, how, how has that helped you guys as far as, uh, you know, seeing where you want to go as a program? Jenna's going to take I, this one. <laughs> I mean, the beginning of my freshman year, um, Allison and Mooney sat us all down and said, we want – you guys to be like a big family, support each other. A soccer department, if you will. Soccer if department. You will. <laughs> if you will, yeah. They were like, we want you guys to be one big family, go to each other's games, hang out with each other, go get dinners with everyone. And we definitely have done that, but just hearing the men's team in the crowd, all of their cheering and booing the refs. It, <laughs> it, no, 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 we don't boo here. <laughs> Sorry. Listen to the sportsmanship statement. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for mocking the sportsmanship statement. <laughs> no, you really see a difference in how we play. Our away games, when the, men, when the men's team isn't there, we're just not at our 100%. And then you see them come in. And I, I think I can speak for everyone when I say we kind of want to impress them a little bit. And you see them walk in, and you're just like, okay, now I actually have to step up, bring my A game, make sure everything is going well, and they'll be impressed. I think for me, when after my first season, we got we got four wins. Um, but I remember Mooney just constantly saying the improvements that he saw. It's hard, it was hard for me to see it my first year. I was like, Ugh four wins not a lot um but before I believed that I was turning the program around he believed it and so I just he has been a massive support system for me um he's believed in our myself and our team for a very long time um and helped instill that confidence in me um and then on top of that like there were some years where 
I think the women's team wasn't thrilled with their relationship with the men's program. And when that was brought to Mooney's attention, he was like, nope, we're going to change it. And then that the, that was the result was Jenna's uh, comment about sitting the team down and being like, no, this is how it's going to be. Um, so just having his confidence, Mooney's support, the men's team support, how they responded to that conversation. Um, and for example, this last or two weekends ago, we didn't stay for the men's Bethany Lutheran game because we had a team dinner planned. Uh, by our parents that were super generous. And the women's team was like, why aren't we staying? We want to stay. We want to support. Um, and props to them for it w- was raining that day, and they want to show up anyway. Um, so it's been a great camaraderie and environment between the two teams. It's fun to see it too. I, I, you know, one of the things, Joe is more than willing to talk about your team. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he, like, great. I mean, there are times where I'll sit there and we'll talk about the women's team, and he'll, he gets kind of – this very like smile on his face because he he really enjoys watching you guys play. Yep. In case you didn't know that he. <laughs> oh, Mooney. <laughs> he really enjoys you know, I'm, and I'm I'm being 100 percent honest. Like he will sit there and talk about the women's program and where it's been and where it's going and how proud he is you know to be coaching alongside Allison and how proud he is of you guys for your performances and stuff. So it's it, it comes from the top on the men's side. I mean the men's players I think are very impressed. I mean, whenever one of you guys makes a really good move on the field, you hear them up in the stands. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, and they've been doing that for a while. But, you know, it really does come from Joe up on top. And I think having Nick Piazza also go back and forth helps yeah, a bit too. definitely. You know, uh, Nick is a little bit behind the scenes. Of course, his nickname is Pizza. He was a UWS uh, men's soccer alum. But having him there is kind of also that go-between because – even Marissa, when she was here as assistant coach, she went back and forth too. So there really is a, a very kind of family atmosphere about it. I mean, the two teams share coaches. Um, you know, they share road trips. Um, they do support each other. And I think it's – and I speak definitely for me. I don't know if John feels the same way, but it's one of the really unique experiences of watching UWS soccer. If you go to a doubleheader or go to a single game, um, <clears throat> the other team invariably is going to be there supporting the other one, whoever's on the field. So it's it's fun. I, I really enjoy it. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, John. But no, that's, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One more question we'll let you go, and this is probably in the, the stupid question department, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, stadium. The, the press conference a couple of weeks ago with the construction of the new stadium here on campus. Um, what does that do for this program? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Superior Choice Credit Union Stadium coming fall of 2023. Uh, it's it's a game changer for us, uh, as I know it is for for the track and field as well. But just knowing that we can control our own, like that sounds so simple, but knowing that we can control our own schedule, like just that piece. Right now, half of the season we train 8 to 10 p.m., which is not ideal, um, and often have to like move around our games. Um for them, our players, to feel like they have a home where they can train regardless of um, the high school schedule, uh, that they can go get shots in, that they can go get better on their own time in their own way, whether it's the season, off season, um, or summer, it's, it's big time. And then on top of that, just being able to present that to recruits and say, like, we are committed to the student experience here. Um, what I'm also excited about is in our athletic department is looking to make moves in, in lots of places and it's not just going to be us. I think, you know, we're that first step right now, but I'm excited for the future of yellow jacket athletics because we're making these commitments to student athletes across the board. Um, so just excited to be a part of a department that truly puts the student athlete experience first. And that's what this new stadium will do for us, for men's soccer, for track and field. How about from an athlete standpoint? I mean, hearing that you're going to be playing on a high school stadium compared to having your own stadium is pretty cool. I would love to just go out with friends on the nice turf and kick a ball around, but you can't do that with the high school stadium. But now with this stadium, it's like, hey, Leslie, do you want to go do long balls? Of course, let's go right now. Cool. Mm -hmm. So just having that easy access to 
improving your skill is going to be really, really helpful in the next couple of years. And consistency in practice time, I think, is is so much bigger than anybody would even understand. <laughs> and I yeah. that's why I go back to that part about kind of controlling things a little bit more where you, we, you know going in, this is what our practice time is going to be, and it's going to stay there. It's not, hey, what time are you going to go on Tuesday? Okay, well, that's different than what you have on Wednesday, which is different than Thursday. Mm-hmm. And now you're potentially going to have a game at fri- on Friday at 9 a.m. I mean, it's right. that consistency is yeah. is a lot bigger than I think anybody thinks. Yeah. Well, and especially since you guys play a lot of afternoon games. I mean, almost yeah. all of your games are early to mid-afternoon. Yep. 1.30 so, to 4 o'clock Yeah, kickoffs. exactly. So, you know, practicing from 8 to 10 p.m. throws your body off kilter. And then if you have to be there at 9 a.m. the next day, then it's like, yep. now I'm really off. Right. And I'm getting ready for a 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. game. It's like, yeah. you know, that's – now your body clock is all messed up. So even those little things yeah. like that. All of last week, grateful that we have the opportunity and, and the, the resource. But all of last week, we got on the soccer field once. We trained on the baseball field. So are we got on the soccer field on Tuesday. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to some big games, we were on the soccer field. And whenever we're on the soccer field, there's games. So there's announcers yelling, and we're trying to scream over we're announcers sorry. and music. And not you. Announcers are sorry for yelling. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's, it's not conducive to us training at our best. So I'm just excited for the opportunity to, like you said, have a consistent schedule, have a consistent home, and be in control of that home. So it's been an extended road trip for you, but for the bulk of October, you are home. So yes, get out and watch them. Finally, head coach Allison DeGroat, Jenna Lang. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you. More of Eye of the Swarm will be coming up right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and another wonderful conversation with Coach DeGroat. And it seems like no matter what athlete she brings in, it always ends up being a pretty good round table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Coach DeGroat does so well is she recruits players that are very good, honest, caring individuals, but also who are upbeat and are willing to talk. I mean, we've had several of her players come on in the past, and they've all been really good. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think we've had a bad round table with Coach DeGroat. Nope. Um, or anything that I would even consider reproaching, even just a good roundtable they're always just fantastic we will have her on again this year at some point because i i really there there is a unique and fun chemistry between her and coach fracker and i want the both of them in the room oh my gosh yeah if, if you've ever seen because them because we won't is... have to say much no no and that'd be just gonna part. be a lot of giggling from the other side of the room i think their personalities just match up really really, really well, well really well and they have a real sisterhood going there well and coach fracker when she's brought players in that's never been a bad round table either. No. For the same reason. Right. Like it's, you know, it starts from the top down with both softball and women's soccer. And you can really kind of, because we talk a lot about, especially in college sports, the atmosphere, the culture of the team starts with who's on top. And with women's soccer and softball, you can see it. Yeah. You can definitely tell. If you watch women's soccer or softball even play their games, you can tell that they really embody how their coach wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, the attitude on the field is very much how their coach wants it to go. Um, and when you get Allison and Melissa together, just even away from their teams, yep, it's really something. And you will not find also bigger supporters of each other nope. in their programs than that. I mean, Melissa goes as far as to say she's like the unofficial assistant coach for women's soccer because she's there all the time. She's also said she's the unofficial assistant SID, too, because she's willing to jump in and do scorebook for me at multiple sports. So, right, you know, yeah. But, uh, she's, it, uh, she's, she is the the absolute definition of team player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely she is. And uh, she kind of regards Allison's players as sort of like like her, you know, they, they refer to Allison kind of as Mama Bear. Right. She's sort of like Mama Bear 1A. Auntie Bear, if you will. Auntie Bear, yeah, yes. if you will, because she's, she, she's just as – fiery and supportive and and protective of those players as Allison is, which is really fun to see. I know most people don't know that. That's a little bit behind the scenes, but 
Coach Fracker is very, very close to the soccer team, and I think um, Allison's pretty close to the softball team as well. So. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fun dynamic. We it definitely is. need to get them it on It is. Together. I'd like to have them on the show. But at any rate, we have business at hand here, so let's dive into it. We've got uh, upcoming schedule this week and games coming up in just a few hours as we record this on a Wednesday morning. Correct, correct. A very long day for you and I both here as we record this and a couple of games this evening. Uh, men's soccer will be home this week three times. Uh, today, starting against Northwestern at MC Spartan Sports Complex. That's a game you'll be able to hear with yours truly on 91.3 FM on a delay broadcast. That'll be in the aftermath of the women's broadcast, which will start at 7 p.m. So probably about 9, 9.30, something like that, I'm guessing, for the men will get when they start, I think. That's just a rough guess, I'm thinking. We'll have to check with Adam on that because okay. I don't think that's how we were going to do it. Maybe I'm okay. incorrect. I, I thought the women's match was going to stream live. The men's match was going to air live. And the women's match was going to be played after oh, the men. Okay. So okay. the men's match will be live tonight. Okay, okay, okay. because they they play at six thirty p.m. Correct. So, so that being the case, uh, pre control room be... says yes. Okay, right I wasn't on. sure how that was going to go. Anyway, um, I'm glad I found that out. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so it'll be a 15 minute pregame, about six fifteen or so, before the men take on Northwestern. That's on Wednesday, of course, as we record this on Wednesday. So tonight, from our perspective, as we record this now, they'll be back at home also on Saturday, the 8th of October, taking on North Central. That'll be a 7.30 p.m. opening kick against the Rams at NBC Spartan Sports Complex, so under the lights. And then on Tuesday, October 11th, they'll take on Northland College, another game under the lights. I will be on with the uh, live broadcast of that one, 7 p.m., the opening kick, 6.45, the pregame with yours truly. So men's soccer home three times this week, and that's going to be nice uh, after that long road swing. Yep. Good to get the boys back home and have the home fans have a chance to come out and watch them. Yep. Women's soccer will be taking on Northwestern. They will be on a delay broadcast. That's a 4 p.m. opening kick uh, on this Wednesday. Then they'll be at home on Saturday, October 8th, taking on North Central. That's a 5 p.m. opening kick against the Rams over at NBC Spartan Sports Complex. And then on Tuesday the 11th of October. They're at Northland College for game two of the season against the Lumberjells. That will be under the lights at Ponzio Stadium in Ashland, 7 p.m., the opening kick there. So two out of their three games at home this week as well. Volleyball has been home for a while, so this week they hit the road, except for on Tuesday. We'll talk about that in a second. But on Friday, the 7th, they are at North Central. That'll be a 7 p.m. opening serve from Clark Danielson Gym in Minneapolis. They will then follow up on Saturday, taking on the number four ranked team in the country now, Northwestern. That'll be a 1 p.m. opening serve in St. Paul. And then they will return home on Tuesday, the 11th, to take on Northland College for a 7 p.m. opening serve. That will be an interesting match. Northland is a much improved team. They are. and They're pushing I, for a playoff spot I, this They're year. pushing for a playoff spot, and I think they're opening some eyes with, with the way that they've been playing. They, you know, they took the Yellow Jackets to five earlier this year. They they knocked off Minnesota Morris last weekend. They did. Yep. So they've they've been playing some really good volleyball of late. They have, and they've been a couple of like I said, five setters mm-hmm. against the uh, the Lumberjills for the Yellow Jackets already this season. So that should be an interesting contest. Again, that's at the Mertz on Tuesday the 11th. So if you're got some time, check it out. Men's and women's golf. This is the culmination of their season. Here this we go. Weekend. Yep, it's it's all on the line this weekend. For both the men's and women's golf teams, Thursday, October 6th through Saturday, October 8th, both the men and women are at the UMAC Championships, which, of course, is annually hosted by Pebble Creek Golf Club in Becker, Minnesota. Men trying to get back on top and go back to the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, the women, I think they're thinking they're going to probably place in the three or four range. But both teams will be at that three-day event, again, starting tomorrow from our vantage point here as we record this on a Wednesday, Thursday, the 6th through Saturday, October 8th. The two teams down in Becker, Minnesota. Men's and women's cross country is idle this weekend. And so they will not be in action until the 15th. But that's what's coming up this week. Men's and women's tennis are both done now that they've had their ITA Midwest Regionals, their respective ITA Midwest Regionals down in St. Peter. So they're off until after the first of the year going into February, like you said, John, for their spring season. So um, a lot of games coming up at home this week, which is nice. Uh, men's and women's golf. We'll see if the men can reclaim the conference title there. And then, uh, of course, uh, we'll see how volleyball does now. They're sitting right now in a first-place tie with Northwestern going into the week's action. So a lot of uh, fun stuff coming up here this week. We'll see where everybody stands here 
but a chance for the home folks to come out and support the teams, uh, both men's and women's soccer, at least this week. And just to give you an idea of how quickly all of this is moving, within the next week, both basketball teams and both hockey teams will start official practices. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> so it's moving quickly. We're, now, we're almost to winter sports season, so the crossover has begun to yes, happen. Yes, it has. Or so, will be happening. An action-packed couple of weeks coming up, and uh, hopefully the, the wins keep on coming for our Yellow Jacket sports teams. For our production guru, Adam DeMuth, and the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garvin. Until next week, thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.